good evening once again out there. Or maybe it's good morning, maybe it's good night, just depending on where in the world you happen to be joining us from. Welcome back once again to Live from Roswell. I'm your host, Guy Malone. We are broadcasting to you worldwide, and I'll prove it to you with an email later on, over the Paranormal Radio Network, and we are live from sunny Roswell, New Mexico, where, yeah, 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 all your bases are still belong to us. You're not going to get them back. This is going out live tonight on November 11th, 2007, which is, of course, Veterans Day. So thanks to all those who have served or who are serving. And it's also my dad's birthday, but I already called him since he doesn't really care about computers. It wouldn't do any good to wish him a happy birthday here. But, hey, it's the thought that counts. And a reminder to you that all of my communications cost for this program is sponsored by Alien Resistance HQ or AlienResistance.org, which offers biblical perspectives on UFOs and abductions as well as lots and lots of DVDs from past conferences held here in sunny Roswell, New Mexico. So go see AlienResistance.org and now RoswellUFOConference.com as well as AncientOfDays.net for all the DVDs that are offered here. The older ones are actually offered all on a name-your-own-price donations basis, by the way, so you don't have to be rich to get those. And while I'm speaking to you of HQ... I think it's worth sharing that Alien Resistance HQ, after two years of not being located on Main Street in Roswell, is going to begin operating out of a new physical location very soon, right here on Main Street in Roswell again. Just a few weeks from now, I'm going to be doing this program as a live remote from the new location. And on that program, I will have along with me local Roswell researchers Dennis Balthaser and Don Burleson. I'm thinking December 2nd for that event, by the way, and I'll keep you posted. In two weeks, we'll have the host of another Paranormal Radio Network's program. It's Rob Simone, and he's author of the new book, UFOs in the Headlines, Real Reporting of a Real Phenomena. Rob will be joining us on November 25th, two weeks from now. And by then, we should all be done eating and ready to relax on a couch and listen to just to the radio and veg for a while or to the computer speakers, whichever you would like listening to. And also, once again, since we were speaking of Veterans Day, I did ask a vet onto the program tonight. A little bluebird gave me that great idea to invite retired uh, Army Sergeant Clifford Stone. He's the author of the book UFOs Are Real. And part of uh, Clifford's story is that he worked on crashed and recovered UFOs as part of his military service. And I thought that would be a fantastic interview and very appropriate for Veterans Day. Well, he had something else going on tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> but he did promise to come onto the program in the near future for us. And that'll probably be in December also. So I'll keep you posted on when that's going to happen. So that's who you've got to look forward to on Live from Roswell in the coming weeks. Rob Simone, Clifford Stone. Dennis Balthaser and Don Burleson, Ph.D., will all be discussing different aspects of the UFO phenomena with us in coming weeks on Live from Roswell. So uh, tonight I'm kind of going solo, by the way. And that is, what I mean by that is this is going to be a mostly audience participation night. As rather than run a, re a rerun, since I was kind of guestless, I decided we would do what I threatened to do to you way, way back on my very first program. That was in January with Joshua Poet of UFOetry, and I would simply interview myself, in a way, anyway. 
since so many people know bits and pieces of my background or have an idea of my views in this field, um, I thought it would be definitely worth time to share a little more than I have before when I'm interviewing someone else. We're always glad to have people on here that I either don't know well or might find I disagree with their views, but I'm not so dogmatic to not allow other people with different views to come on and have a have their say. And I find I learn a lot, too, from talking to people that either are much more researched than I am or that I simply disagree with because then we get to really discuss things. So actually, what I did for uh, preparing for this weekend's program was I sent out an email to my mailing list, a rather large mailing list, and I asked people to send me questions for tonight's program. And their questions, I found, are based largely on my sites or the conference DVDs we've done, which makes sense because it is the mailing list for Alien Resistance and the Ancient of Days conferences. And even though it's only been out less than a day, the response was pretty good. Got like a dozen things lined up here for you that will keep me going for a while. So I definitely, definitely, definitely invite you to also participate tonight by sending me an emailed question of your own to be read on the air tonight. And if you've got a pencil, or even if you don't, you can use my email address for this program is talk to me, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at livefromroswell.com, or our toll-free number is 877-786-0562. The toll-free number for you to join us live is 877-786-0562. Both of those contact methods are on the website, livefromroswell.com, and I do refresh and read email from there during the program all the time. I especially invite you to write tonight, because tonight partially depends on you participating. And also, actually, on the website right now, livefromroswell.com, I have the results of a very interesting poll that Larry King offered this weekend. You can uh, visit livefromroswell.com yourself, and see the results to the Larry King asking people, do you believe in extraterrestrial life? It was a simple yes or no question. But as I already noticed from our virtual auditorium, a couple people asking about that or discussing it is that this weekend on Friday night, Larry King had on some very credible UFO speakers, presenters, uh, not heavily into the uh, skeptic side either, though he did have one. And he also had uh, Shirley MacLaine, and I think that's partially because her new book, Saging While Aging, we discussed this last week, uh, made the uh, revelation that a Democratic presidential candidate, Dennis Kucinich, hope I said it right, um, stated in her book, or she stated for him, that he saw a UFO while visiting her house, observed it for over 10 minutes. Well, that came up in all kinds of presidential debates. It was asked to him live. He really couldn't dodge the question. And last week, you remember, you can listen to last week's uh, archive program on ParanormalRadioNetwork.org. Just look for November 4th, live from Roswell with Guy Malone. We had Grant Cameron of the Presidential UFO website. He's done all kinds of research. It was a very good conversation with him about what in the world, uh, what role UFOs and beliefs are playing in um, politics right now. Very different from the 2004 and prior elections. But that, that is archived. But I just mentioned it because um, part of getting all this in the news, apparently Larry King, who does regularly feature UFO programs, by the way, he's been here, or he's been in Roswell, he's done the live remote from Area 51, in fact. Got the cover of him sitting outside the desert at Area 51 in my collection of MUFON journals here that were given to me. I'm not a subscriber. Sorry if that offends somebody that is in MUFON. 
but um, I plan to be one day. Just haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> but um, he had a lot of UFO people on there. So uh, definitely, if you guys saw that show or if you want to discuss that and you're listening, whether in the virtual auditorium or not, email me your comments, and I do have one to start off the program here in a moment, uh, about the Larry King program. But on livefromroswell.com right now, I'm actually going to have to punch it up myself because I want to give you exact numbers. He did a poll, uh, just a quick poll, cnn.com slash Larry King, inviting people to answer the question, do you believe there is extraterrestrial life? And I took a screenshot two different times uh, late after that program had repeated once or twice just to uh, keep the results because I think that's very interesting. CNN, Roper, USA Today, many have done polls on do you believe in UFOs, et cetera, et cetera. I've never really seen one phrase that says, do you believe there's extraterrestrial life from a major news source like this? And uh, they always ask, do you believe in UFOs, i.e., whether they're visiting the Earth? Do you believe in abductions? Things like that. But this was such a perfect question for the program. Um, The results, he got over the final vote of the screenshot I got, he got over 8,000 votes on a program that that aired one night. So this is a major news source asking this question. The results, I found, were pretty astounding. Um, In 8,412 votes... 87% said yes. They do believe there is extraterrestrial life. 7,342 of 8,412 people actually said yes, and only 13% didn't know. Now, that is probably the highest number that you or I or anybody that's been following this UFO research field has ever seen published from a major news news outlet. Like I said, Roper, Polls, and USA Today... Other invitations like that have done uh, different polls asking people what they believe about it. Sometimes it's 50-50. Sometimes it's, you know, even less. Sometimes it's a little more. And I've got to admit, while this is a good statistic that I think UFO researchers are going to be using in their lectures for years from now um, to promote um, why this topic is so important, because it is Larry King Live. And heck, right there, I've got two different screenshots that, that show the results. I want to point out the very bottom part of it, of what even Larry King's site says. This is not a scientific poll. And uh, you can argue or debate this, discuss this with me by email, or come on the programs of the virtual auditorium or our toll-free number. But I think the reason that percentage was so, so high, I think it was inordinately high. And, and by that, I mean I think those results are inaccurate and really shouldn't be fairly used, even though it is a real statistic, because the program was on UFOs that night. And it was a very credible researcher. They had um, the Out of the Blue documentary filmmaker on there, along with others. And then, of course, Shirley MacLaine definitely draws her own audience. If it got mentioned Shirley MacLaine would be on Larry King Live, well, of course, a lot of Shirley MacLaine fans are going to check in. So the, the poll, I think, I think most of the people that were watching that program were already believers in UFOs, and they were tuned in that night because they were interested. I mean, admit it, how often do you out there in paranormal radio network land actually watch Larry King live on a regular basis? Perhaps many of you, personally, I don't, but I did go out of my way to watch this one. So I just point that out, even though I did archive, I grabbed the screenshots for myself and other UFO researchers to use. That's an amazing statistic that out of 8,000 people polled, a whopping 87% of respondents said yes. 
I just think that's a little skewed because the target audience of people that were tuning in that night were probably already fans of ufology or believers, and that the, the 10, 13% that said no may have been more representative of Larry King's average viewers. So that's just my little commentary on that. But again, I do have it posted for you. If you ever do lectures or if you just want to save an image that shows a poll that high, I've got two screenshots listed for you on livefromroswell.com. And I do invite you to write me and tell me your opinions about it. I'll check into the uh, virtual auditorium every now and then, but it's hard to keep up with that while I'm doing the program. So if you're listening that way, I really ask you to email me a comment at live or talk to me, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at livefromroswell.com. And before I start answering my email, um, I do just want to pose uh, one of the emails that came in to me. I want to give this straight to you, straight to the listening audience, because I really didn't have a good answer to this first question. Like I said, what I did, I just knew I wouldn't have a guess, so I thought I'd, uh, rather than run a rerun, I sent out a large email to my mailing list, or, or a short email to a large list, asking them to send me questions that I could talk about on the phone. Basically, I'm offering the audience the opportunity to interview me tonight instead of vice versa. But I've got one that I am not researched enough or expert enough in many things to actually uh, give you an answer to. So this is the first one, and I want to let it know that it is going out to you, as will the second one. The question is from Dave in Spring City, Pennsylvania. It says, hi, guy. We know that there have been cattle abductions, but are there any known cases of domestic animals, cat, dog, etc., being abducted either alone or with their owners? Thanks, Dave, Spring City, Pennsylvania. Personally, I don't know the answer to that question. I would think Linda Moulton Howe perhaps may have a, be better equipped to give an answer to that, but I copied it. I sent an email to Linda Moulton Howe as well as to Joe Montaldo here on Paranormal Radio Network and Linda Keeper, who is uh, one of the moderators in our virtual auditorium, I'll give you a quick answer to what Linda replied to me. And uh, also, if you've ever known that experience to be true, I uh, want you to send me an email and just tell me about it so I can read it to people and help Dave answer this question. But what Linda gave me the information uh, in one sentence, Daryl Sims and Linda Moulton Howe say dogs and pets are abducted with their owner and often lose their hair because of alien touch. That's news to me. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but definitely if you've ever heard that and definitely, definitely if you've ever experienced that or know of such a report, go ahead and just send me an email so I can back up or, uh, or disagree with that view. And there was another one related to the Larry King program that I would like to open up to you, the listeners tonight, too, to send me your opinions on this. Um, in Dreamland, uh, Laura in the Pacific Northwest, Washington State, wrote, after watching the Larry King live show, the desire for another Operation Blue Book type inquest was mentioned. Can the public expect such an inquest? That's what I'm asking you tonight. If you want to comment and let me know your thoughts on that, do you think that the U.S. government should uh, open another Operation Blue Book type inquest? And I'm going to say, honestly, um, my guess, my semi-educated opinion on that would be no, is that I think the government has long ago, publicly anyway, written off um, their research into UFOs. The government has written off showing like they have an interest in this 
and in order to keep the public calm and go back to you know business as usual and running the economy and things like that i honestly think that if the government did open up another operation blue book type thing uh we could expect similar results from the first one i think a lot of people that have been in the field of ufology for a while honestly believe that the uh, purpose or the goal of Operation Blue Book was a little less to investigate UFO reports and get to the bottom of the truth more than it was a PR front to keep the American uh, citizenry calm. They do have a percentage, a small percentage, in their reports that they just listed as completely unexplained, i.e. they couldn't truthfully answer it with, with, no, here's what our investigation showed that UFO was. And, but they never came out and said, holy cow, we have no idea what that was. It must be aliens from outer space or anything like that. But let me know what you think about that, either your opinion on Operation Blue Book. Should the government open another one up? And honestly, do you think the public can expect such an inquest? That's two questions. If you've got a comment, I want to hear from you. At talk to me at live from Roswell.com. Uh, so I can read that on the air. Whether you know of any cases of domestic animals being abducted, either alone or with their owners. And also, uh, tell me what you thought either about the Larry King live show, if you saw it. And tell me if you think there will be another Operation Blue Book type inquest, or at least should the public expect one. I'm going to check a message here from Joe Montaldo. Okay. Wow. Hey, I've did a, done a good job rambling. We're coming up on break here in five minutes was the message. And I'm going to mention, before I forget to say her by name, Susan Grisanti will have some classical guitar music as my MySpace Featured Artist of the Week. Um, when I mentioned earlier that the Paranormal Radio Network and this program really, really do um, goes worldwide, I just thought I'd share a nice email I got in response. It's not a question, but hello and congrats on the radio show from someone on my email list. I'll give it a listen online as the time difference makes listening live quite difficult. Just thought you should know that you have interested people all over the world. I am an American expat living and working in Tokyo, and the Internet has been my connection and lifeline. Keep up the good work. Cindy in Tokyo. That is wonderful to hear. So, um, A, it's also worth mentioning if you have a product to sell, blah, 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 or would like to do a commercial on the Paranormal Radio Network or on this program, there's information for you on livefromroswell.com. But it's really good to hear that uh, stuff is that viewers are listening all the way from Tokyo. And Helen from Roswell asked, does aliens believe in God? That just came to me through Joe. I don't know. Um, actually, we'll probably be getting to a lot more of the God theological type questions here based on what came through my um, email. But Helen and or others, I just do want to remind you uh, to ask a question. Um, you probably won't do a good job getting it to me if you email Joe Montaldo. Uh, my email address is talk to me t a l k t o m e at livefromroswell.com, and I'll be glad to, to at least attempt to answer your questions um, if you email it directly to me. But um, let me scroll down. Oh, this is going to be a controversial one. And really, in the last minutes we have before here, before taking our first break, uh, Phyllis, and it's a Phyllis you all know. And I may mention how you know her later on. She didn't put her name and where she's from at the end of the email. But um, she asked, she uh, replied to my email on asking people uh, to send me questions for tonight's program to discuss. I'll go ahead and take us into break with this one. We've got about two minutes. 
um, as you all know, before I read hers, uh, here in Roswell and right uh, around the period of the festival, right before that, the UFO festival held in Roswell, um, one of the founders of the museum, uh, a deathbed confessional, was released to the public by him, stating that he saw alien bodies, wreckage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, here's the question: that honestly, our guest Daryl Balthazer, who will be up in a, a few weeks, is is a little more opinionated on this one than I am. I've talked to him briefly on this subject, um, but the question that comes from Phyllis is: Do you think Howard's deathbed confession was accurate? I heard that some of it was taped and put together. So, just to take us into the break and maybe uh, anger a couple of people, and if nothing else, that'll get you talking to me, and send us an email, which I'll be glad to share your views. Uh, I honestly am one of the black sheep in Roswell, as a lot of people know. I met that deathbed confessional with a high degree of skepticism, to tell you the truth. I think in the later years of his life, most folks know that Walter Howe had at least a little bit of diminished capacity. As the uh, founder of the UFO Museum, he was often asked to sign things that were put in front of him uh, from people he trusted. And I'm not sure myself that I actually believe that the original or that the uh, deathbed confession and all the material posed about bodies, et cetera, et cetera, were actually his words or actually what he's experienced. We all know good and well that only he knows for sure, but it just honestly wouldn't surprise me if some of that was uh, more motivated by publicity uh, coming into the festival and uh, publicity for the museum and tourism in Roswell. A lot of people are going to disagree with me on that one, I'm sure, but since I got asked and I wasn't looking to answer a question like this, I honestly do, I will say I met that with a high degree of skepticism when it first came across. So that's my view. Let me know your view at Talk to Me at LiveFromRoswell.com. We'll be back uh, after this break with a lot more viewer email, and I invite you to send it to me also so we can read it tonight. And right now we have Susan Grisanti, a classical guitarist who played in Roswell and visited us during the festival, coming up to take us into break. Join us back. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Audience Participation Night on LiveFromRoswell.com, where it's pretty much an open lines kind of night where you can call us on our toll-free number at 877-786-0562 or send me an email to talk to me, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at LiveFromRoswell.com. I would love to read it on the air. And tonight's program is largely dependent on hearing from you guys, so do uh, interact tonight. Let me know what's on your mind and what you would like to talk about. Earthchild in our virtual auditorium uh, has done us the favor, if you're in there, he uh, made a comment, did you see the speaker lineup for the National Press Club on Monday? So I want to remind some folks that the National Press Club event is also UFO-related. They have some military witnesses that are going to be presenting in Washington, D.C. before the press on their beliefs and the reality of the UFO phenomena. So I do, oh, and Joe Montado will be represented, Paranormal Radio Network. I was going to ask, since I won't personally be there, if anybody wants to email me any information or any links that come from that, I would definitely like to see it. 
I'm really interested in, in how that's going to go, and I know I won't see it live. So I would like to know. And um, Earth Child, who sent me something, um, or who sent something into the virtual auditorium, a link. Please email me that link at Talk to Me as well, so that I can post it on the website. It is an actual uh, PDF that has the speaker lineup of what's going to be happening during that, and that would be really good interest um, of interest to our viewers. I'm going to jump right in to uh, tonight's program, basically being sort of an interview with myself. Um, give you a little background on how I got into all this field, first of all is that a lot of people know or a lot of people don't know that I am personally an experiencer of what I just limit, uh, go to um, childhood experiences of visitors without defining them. And um, as the years progressed, I was always kind of looking into as a hobby through teenage years and early adult years in, into what is uh, the truth behind the UFO phenomena. And somehow or other, as a lot of folks know, uh, despite my misspent youth, wound up becoming a Christian, and I found out that a lot of what um, people call alien phenomena, at minimum, parallels or mimics uh, demonic activity, or vice versa. Could be the other way around. A lot of what we are calling demonic or fallen angel activity uh, is very like what is reported over centuries and biblically as fallen angels activity. So I began writing uh, first on a book called Come Sail Away. It was my debut on the Internet uh, 10 years ago this year, in fact, a little more than 10, on a book that you can still read online at S-E-E-K-Y-E-1.com, a pretty, I would say, introductory, limited view of what I knew then before I was more known, before I moved to Roswell. But that book helped launch um, a lot of theological uh, people coming into this phenomena, many were saying, oh, it's all demons, which I uh, really think is a little bit too simplified of a view, and many were saying that it's actually UFOs are recorded in the Bible, which actually uh, is an extreme view that I don't agree with, even though if you've ever seen that History Channel program that I'm on, uh, my own words were quoted to fit the premise of the show. I have a response to all that on somewhere on alienstranger.com. But, of course, anyway, we formed these websites that have attempted to deal with the UFO phenomena from a theological perspective, uh, with the premise being, as it says in Ecclesiastes, that there is nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. There's nothing new under the sun. And what that meant to a lot of people is that whatever is going on in the modern world, there is an answer for it biblically. So myself and others have uh, spent a little bit of time investigating the phenomena from that point of view. And of course, that gets me an interesting email list and a whole lot of uh, cranky people and a whole lot of good people um, who have a lot of views. So I sort of preface some of that. To, uh, that's how we wind up opening the uh, coffee house nonprofit ministry with books offering theological, biblical perspectives on UFOs and abductions. And that's where a lot of the email tonight, uh, people that either share that view or oppose that view or have questions about that view especially after viewing our conference DVDs, uh, mainly the ones, not the recent one, but at ancientofdays.net is where you can find a lot of those. That's all linked from Alien Stranger. But the first question I have, actually it's a series of questions, and hopefully you can help me answer this too. The first one is just simply from Diane in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What is your opinion of the theory that the standard alien with the big eyes is 
nothing more than a three-month gestation fetus having been removed from the host's womb and artificially matured in a uterus from a horse or a cow. If you've got an opinion on that, I'd like to hear it because I honestly don't have uh, a lot of research into underground labs is where that's going to go, either that or um, spaceships that are uh, growing babies from three-month fetuses. But I know it's a a well-known and uh, highly believed within the UFO community um, theory that what people are seeing as these basically dumb grays that don't appear to have a lot of independent thought. I believe Daryl Sims once called them years ago 386 computers on legs. So, um, But there's not a lot of independent thought or a lot of intelligence or a lot of highly evolved activity that comes from what Diane referred to as the standard alien. But that is a view that's out there, that it's a, a fetus that's either hybrid or removed from someone and then matured in a uterus form inside of a horse or a cow. And that plays into cattle mutilations a little bit from what people believe. Uh, I'm not sure that I totally agree with that view, but I don't 100% know the answer to that question. If anybody else would like to comment on it, I'd definitely read your opinion. Um, Her follow-up question is, what is your opinion that the standard alien is nothing more than a container for a demon to possess? And what is your opinion that the alien demonic spirit is nothing more than the disembodied offspring of the Watchers and female parents from Genesis 6? Most people know that I've done a lot of work on the Genesis 6 Nephilim hybrid phenomena or theories and research uh, biblical theologically. And and a lot of that is posted on alienresistance.org if that's a brand new idea to you. But a lot of that does cover, in some senses, the the views that I and friends of mine, people that we'd like to have represented. And I'm going to start off by qualifying first where it says the alien demonic spirit. I always believe that that is a little oversimplified because there's a difference between aliens, fallen angels, demons, and such. That, um, But getting back to the middle question, my opinion that the standard alien is nothing more than a container for a demon to possess, yes, I think that's very possible. I think it's possible that um, they're either controlled one way or the other through um, some type of programming that the standard alien, when we're talking about the three-foot grays that don't seem to have a brain, I think that they are created beings by uh, someone of a little higher intelligence that serve a purpose, like worker drones, and they can either be programmed to carry out the work of what people are familiar with in most abduction accounts, and that it's possible that they could be soulless, empty shells. That sort of plays into some end times views uh, that have to do with um, after one world government, Antichrist, and all that comes, that there will be hordes of armies and things like that that are attacking uh, that are attacking people still on the earth. And honestly, that would be um, a good explanation for where a lot of the 200 million come from. We kind of covered that during a panel discussion on the DVD on ancientofdays.net, that it's very possible that these things are being genetically grown in labs, underground perhaps, who knows. It's possible view. I'm not 100% going to say that that's what I think is happening. But yes, I think it is a, a valid theory that's out there. Um, question. Oh, Jim Cunningham in Ohio. He is a person that I recognize his name who has bought DVDs from us. 
so some of his questions, very simple questions he's offered to me, um, actually require, on, from my point of view, a little bit of qualification. question he has here is, do godly angels use what we would today call a UFO? Do Christians ever see UFOs? If so, have they ever been taken into one? And did the Old and New Testament writers describe what appeared to be UFOs? Uh, the question first, do godly angels use what we would call today a UFO? By what we, and that's going to take some qualification, what we would call a UFO. I think a UFO is basically what the letters say, an unidentified flying object. It, honestly, it could be anything. It could be a spacecraft from another planet. It could be a man-made object or a test-type thing created it by our own government or other people's governments for high or new new technologies and propulsions. It could be, in some cases, an apparition or a spirit. Um, I'm just going to have to leave it at it's unidentified. Not that I mean to sound like a certain presidential candidate. It's unidentified. We don't really know what it is. But overall, angels have methods of travel that I do not believe require transportation or modes or vehicles uh, like um, like spaceships or something to get from here to there. Now, it is possible that they could use them for some reason, just like uh, I saw the movie Bee Movie last night, and one of the questions posed to the bee was, you know, why do they bother walking or why do they bother uh, riding on things? Why don't you just fly everywhere? And his answer was, well, it's work. It's a lot of exertion. And he asked the human you know, do you run everywhere just because you can? Does that mean that you do or that you have to? So whether or not angels use, there's also a theory that some of the UFOs or chariots that are mentioned in the Bible actually are living creatures themselves. They're angelic types of, we would say, beast of burden. Others would say craft. That when you get into what's actually recorded in the Bible as what angels are and what they aren't, uh, it's a huge misnomer today, thankfully, or thanks mostly to Renaissance art period, that angels are blonde-haired, blue-eyed things with wings. Uh, I'll keep it PG, but honestly, I think that that view is crap, <laughs> that there's nothing in the Bible that suggests that that's what angels look like. We do know that they can take human form and that they can apparently shapeshift, whether for um, good reasons or bad reasons. And even calling them shapeshifters is kind of a stretch, just that uh, some of them, the fallen ones, tend to be deceivers. Maybe they can look like whatever they choose to, but I don't think that they look anything like the winged creatures with blonde hair and blue eyes, and I definitely don't think that they're child size or, you know, three years old or three feet tall um, children as angels. What the Bible actually states that certain angels look like is one that had uh, four different faces, an ox, the cherubim that surrounded the throne in both Ezekiel and Isaiah's visions. Uh, one had several wings, several wings, not just two in its backbone, but also eyes covering its body, as well as four different faces, like an ox, a lion, a man, and something else that I can't remember, and an eagle. Right now, that looks nothing like a modern alien, but it also looks, or what people report as aliens, but it also looks nothing like what people believe are aliens. And the point of that, of saying that, is that there is actually uh, a point of view that says that just as here on Earth we have horses and cattle, things that we use as beasts of burden, perhaps, 
that some of these angelic creatures may similarly be beasts of burden, and their function is as a craft that several angels, or, or just one, could ride on across the skies. Uh, the follow-up question they had here was, do Christians ever see UFOs? Yes, they do, of course. But what purposes of this question, obviously, is a belief that all aliens and all UFOs are demonic. What I think Jim is really asking or posing here when he says, do Christians ever see UFOs, is the presumption that just because Christians have God on their side or because they're good people, that they don't really do the things that open themselves up to demonic or deceptive activity. And that's, in a large part, a true view. But um, there's plenty of bad things that happen to good people. Christians, in general, can be oppressed. They can be attacked by demons, by fallen angels, by evil spirits. So the presumption of the question, do Christians ever see UFOs, I think is a little hurting just simply because the person's almost assuming that bad things can't happen to good people. Very simple theology. Is that yes, um, so my answer to the question is, do Christians ever see UFOs? I would say yes. I've seen one uh, since becoming a Christian. And again, all I mean was it was unidentified lights in the sky. I have no idea whether it was an angel, a demon, or a spacecraft, or any other type of apparition, or a man-made thing. Uh, the, he also says, if so, have they ever been taken into one? And yes, actually, uh, I've heard reports of that, too, is that um, people believe and they report, um, both as Christians or as non-Christians, that it does happen, that they are taken into craft, that they have UFO experiences, um, just like is commonly reported among this realm, but that um, the most famous would be the um, Betty Andreas and Luca affair, to where I read her book, actually I read it on a bus uh, several years ago, and I highlighted that if you're going with this um, demonic premise on the UFOs, she actually um, opened herself up and purposely allowed the initial experiences to happen. She is reported as a very um, devout Christian when her experiences as an adult started happening to her. Um, the Kind of the problem with that is I think she was actually deceived by something, um, by something else because they asked her permission. Sooner or later, I will write a little paper because I highlighted a lot of notes in her books, but she tried to use the name of Jesus to make the entities that were coming to her stand back or get away from her, and in her own words, they did so. They looked a little surprised or offended. I don't remember her exact words. But then they presented to her something. They talked to her. They calmed her down. And then she welcomed the experience. So um, whether it's through um, permission or deception, I, I think there's plenty of Christians out there that get involved in all kinds of occult experiences. And to my mind, there, are a, uh, there may or may not be true, honest aliens visiting the Earth, but there definitely are fallen angels imitating aliens. That doesn't mean there's not really aliens. I'm not sure that there are, but there are uh, dark imitators claiming to be aliens. And I think quite often a lot of the experiences that people are having do relate to this type of thing. And, and that Christian or not could be led to believe that they're in contact with an alien 
when they're really not, when they're involved more with a deceptive entity claiming to be an alien. And we do have a couple follow-up questions on others, like what would be the possible purpose for that? I know as a skeptical thinker or as a devil's advocate, my mind goes there too. But Jim's last question was, did the Old and New Testament writers describe what appeared to be UFOs? Appeared, yes, but were they actually? My answer would be no. Um, I mentioned earlier the History Channel has a special called UFOs in the Bible to where the premise of that line of thought, it's uh, predominant in a lot of UFO literature today, probably chief among them would be Barry Downing's Flying Saucers in the Bible, where people are saying that the Bible needs to be reinterpreted as a UFO book. This is also the view of the Raelian religion. Um, you know, the, the cult with the guy Rael, R-A-E-L, um, who's trying to build a landing pad or embassy for the aliens. That, um, for example, some of the um, chief examples presented in this view have to do with, oh, that fire by night, cloud by day sort of thing that led Moses and the Israelites through the, uh, through the wilderness. That was a UFO. Elijah's ascension, when the prophet Elijah was taken up on a chariot, Oh, that was a UFO, and the same with Ezekiel and his wheel um, in Ezekiel chapter 1. Well, I often point out to people that twice it says at the opening of Ezekiel chapter 1, he says he had a vision, which means, boom, you are, when a prophet is describing a vision in the Bible, you are automatically out of the 3D space and time world, and you are in some type of, you might say, alternate universe, you might say astral realm, you might say dream state. So personally, I don't even think Ezekiel chapter 1 happened in real space and time. But the a prevailing view in much of the UFO community has to do with whether or not what we really see in the Bible is UFO reports that primitive people were just too dumb to understand the technology and therefore called it gods or angels. Uh, I actually take the opposite stance on that view. I think that the Bible... Uh, records all kinds of supernatural miracles that angels and God really do exist, and that today, often, when people see miracles or angels, uh, good ones or bad ones, that it's not that primitive people were too stupid to understand technology. I think that modern people are so stuck up um, that we superimpose technology onto the, onto a miracle or miraculous event that we're witnessing. We actually have we we don't have the filter anymore. Uh, to believe in the spirit world uh, to a large extent. And when we see something, we have to explain it through our scientific, rational Western mind. So I think a lot of people could absolutely witness a miracle, and their mind would be scrambling to put a 20th or 21st century technological explanation to it, when really that's not the case. We just don't have a box for the miraculous, nor as a culture of really, really strong belief in God. So... I actually have uh, done a lot of work in the field um, trying to uh, refute that view that what is really going on in the Bible is UFOs. I don't think that's the case at all, for the record. One of the lectures I did in 2004 at the Ancient of Days conference, it was called Biblical Abductions with a question mark, an orthodox look at the experiences of Enoch, Elijah, etc., where uh, what I point out, without trying to repeat the whole lecture here, but it is available at ancientdays.net on a name-your-own-price donations basis. It's a whole DVD lecture called Biblical Abductions, where I actually put myself to examining the entire text there. And what I came down to was 
every now and then in the Bible there's an, an event where you could say, oh, you see that thing in the sky? Oh, that could be a UFO. And a lot of people build premises around what could be. And I found it very easy if you just open the book and rather than go with one select verse to promote an idea, this is a UFO, it was often very easy from the whole paragraph surrounding that text, or if you just read the entire chapter, you found the clue or you found something in it that clearly states what it was and what it was not. It was, it was actually, a, I'm surprised that this view of UFOs in the Bible has gotten to be so popular because it was actually very easy to disprove from the text itself without having to ask or answer what that could be or what that might be. My experience was the text usually very clearly says what's going on. It's just that some people choose not to believe it. That's the same with uh, most truths, most realities. And that's often true when you're dealing with the Bible. Uh, people interpret it to say what they want it to, what they want it to say, rather than just believe what it says. But if you go by what it says, I found it very, I'll say, even ridiculously simple to disprove the view uh, from an orthodox uh, biblical perspective that those were actually UFOs. Oh, we've got another question from actually another host uh, on the Paranormal Radio Network, and that is Hybrid James. <laughs> That's actually the host of Sedona Lights. Is it possible? that all of our Earth religions are based on alien encounters, and is religion and mythology merely just the oversimplification of the alien experience by ancient rulers to pass it on by word of mouth to the next generation? That's a question, yes, I will say definitely, James, that is possible that all of our Earth religions are based on alien encounters. It is possible that religion and mythology have uh, misinterpreted them, by calling it gods or angels, but that is not my belief. Just as I said earlier, I think more than anything is that the supernatural and miraculous have happened and that their source has been supernatural and miraculous. I don't see the need to impose technology uh, to put it on there. But yes, it's possible. Do I believe that myself? No, I do not. Uh, James also asked, number two, is the real purpose of the alien abductions, and he has that in quotes, genetic experimentation and crossbreeding with the human race, or is there something else going on? We are down to one minute, so I will pick up there with James's email when I come back, and he also asks, number three, were the ancient Egyptian rulers really alien and not of this earth? Are the Egyptian gods examples of alien crossbreeding of humans or aliens with animals? Where I'm going to pick up both on James's questions uh, right after the break, I invite you to give me a holler at talk to me, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at livefromroswell.com, where I can uh, get your email in in this next hour, or you can call our toll-free number listed on, talk to me, uh, listed on livefromroswell.com. We have another little song by Susan Grisanti coming up here, classical guitarist, and we'll be back after this break. Welcome back to Live from Roswell. Like the little commercial just said, I'm Guy Malone, your host, and tonight we're doing an audience participation thing where I'm reading emails sent to me. I'm actually answering my email, which is so not like me, but I'm answering it on the air. So we have a lot of questions uh, centered around the biblical and theolo theological 
Some say demonic and fallen angel views having to do with UFOs tonight. Someone in our virtual auditorium posed the question, what am I smoking tonight? Oh, well, I'm not smoking anything except that I am on cold medicine. I have had a, a primatine, so if that bothers you, oh, well, that's just me. I was getting back. I wanted to mention on livefromroswell.com during the break, uh, thanks very much. I think that was Earthchild that sent me a couple of links. Yes, it was. If you want to go uh, refresh or go on to livefromroswell.com for the first time tonight, uh, we've got the YouTube. You can watch the entire program, Larry King Live, on UFOs, Are They For Real? Um, Earthchild already sent me the link. You can watch the whole program, I believe, and I've got the link posted prominently at uh, underneath tonight's uh, topic on livefromroswell.com, as well as the National Press Club press release PDF. I put up a link to that that he sent to me, so I appreciate that. Let me get back to some, I don't know, viewer mail night or whatever. A question sent to me um, uh, by Hybrid James of Sedona Lights Program. Is the real purpose of alien abductions genetic experimentation? and crossbreeding with the human race, or is there something else going on? And number three, he said, were the ancient Egyptian rulers really alien and not of this worth? Are the Egyptian gods examples of alien crossbreeding of humans or aliens with animals? Uh, answered on both those questions from my point of view is that there's a yes or no involved in there. Taking the second question first, um, what the Bible talks about in Genesis 6 is there was a hybridization that was going on of all the Bible says is the phrase sons of God met with the daughters of women, took wives, whoever they wanted, and the children produced were called the Nephilim, or the giants in the King James Version. So answering yes, and that uh, what the Bible also states is that these Nephilim, these hybrid children, were, in quotes in the Bible, the heroes of old, the men of renown. And what that often translates to uh, for people who research this, when it says the heroes of old, the men of renown, I really think that the uh, basis for what we call mythology today, uh, most prominently in our culture, the Greco-Roman mythology, is based on this biblical passage. Um, but with the caveat that it had nothing really to do with aliens, um, when the Bible uses the phrase sons of God in the Old Testament, it is referring to angels. And there's supporting verses for that in uh, Job and, else, and also in the Old Testament. So what the Bible says in Genesis 6 is that certain angels, and these are angels that God punished, by the way. This was not good angels doing what God wanted them to do. Certain angels were crossbreeding with human females. Uh, most churches today do not share or promote that view, um, but that is what the Bible says. So what was happening in Genesis 6 and other texts that aren't in the Bible, like Jasher, and I think Enoch mentions it too, says that they were doing this with animals as well. So they did produce supernatural hybrid offspring, and the Bible says that these offspring were the heroes of old and the men of renown. So the way we retell that story in modern culture is based on Roman mythology, that a god such as Zeus mated with an earth chick, and then bam, that's how Hercules was born. And he was a legendary man of renown from that period. I, I think everything that we call Greek and Roman mythology absolutely does have its basis in this event uh, that took place over a period of time that there was crossbreeding going on. I just do not believe that it was aliens from other planets. I believe it was fallen angels doing things that God didn't want them to. And the New
New Testament in Second Peter and Jude is actually very specific that those angels were punished and sent to Tartarus where they're bound by everlasting chains of darkness. So in answering the question, were the ancient Egyptian rulers really alien and not of this earth? Alien in the sense of not from around here, but I don't think that they were aliens from other planets. And are the Egyptian gods, yes, I'll add that to the Greek and Roman gods, examples of alien crossbreeding of humans? I would say they are examples of crossbreeding just with fallen angels, not with aliens. And actually, um, when he asks, is the real purpose of alien abduction, in quotes, genetic experimentation, crossbreeding with the human race, I am not so sure that the activity is uh, best described by Genesis 6. What I mean is what's going on today may have little or nothing to do with what was happening in Genesis 6. I think it's similar that somehow or other there is crossbreeding um, being attempted but there's a famous passage in Daniel 2.42, I believe, that a lot of people try to sort of make fit this hypothesis. Um, but you can look it up yourself, because I don't have it in front of me. But as far as the future, i.e. the future being today and our immediate future, if you're looking back from Daniel's time 2,500 years ago and more, is that what it says is that these sons of, uh, is that the attempt will be made to crossbreed, but it's that it will not work. The exact passage says, as iron mixes with clay, or and doesn't adhere, that there will be an attempt from entities, we'll say, angels or aliens, whatever you want to call it, to crossbreed with humans, but that it will not work. So I really think that's a very accurate description of what's going on today there, in the alien abduction phenomena. There, it, there is some massive attempt at crossbreeding going on, whether it's happening in labs or whether it's happening in astral realms or pocket universes created entirely by angels. I don't know where it's really, really, really happening. But uh, today, I'm really hard-pressed. A lot of people talk about the hybrid phenomena, and call me a skeptic, but I would like to... I've never seen anything in modern science that tracks the... Uh, you know, does a blood test or a blood sample either on one of these indigo children or on anybody claiming to be a hybrid that actually comes out and proves that there's anything other than human DNA bouncing around in there. So I'm not even 100% sure that I believe there is a modern hybridization program going on. At least there's not a successful one. I would argue that there, it looks like an attempt at one is going on, but so far nothing's been produced of it. And I really like James's uh, last question, number four. Um, gets us into local news in Roswell. Did they ever build that new convention center in Roswell that looks like a spaceship? Someone showed me the blueprints the last time I was in Roswell four years ago. Just curious. Yeah, that's uh, there's a guy here who has a really big dream to build a resort center shaped like a huge spaceship. I mean, containing resort hotels and restaurants and uh, auditoriums for speakers and presentations. And it's probably going to cost him about $25 million. I think he's gotten $10,000, maybe 25000 by now, in investor money to make that happen. So it's a good plan whether or not this uh, region or area or Roswell itself is big enough or draws enough tourism to um, support something like that. It's really the same as the Alien Apex theme park. Both are good plans by, I think, people with good intentions and good dreams. But financially, uh, neither of them has come to pass yet, and I'm not sure that they are going to. I'm 
definitely don't know the future, and I won't say that they're not going to happen. Just that so far nothing has happened with that big convention center um, that the guy here in town has blueprints for, but that, that hasn't stopped him from trying. Let me get back to Hilly. Then this is email night, by the way. If you have a question or a comment, email me at talk to me at live from Roswell.com, and I'll probably uh, have time to get yours to or to get to yours and read it on the air. Hilly from St. Louis. Um, this is another email with a stream of questions. So I'm going to read them all because I think these first three can be answered together. You talk about demons on your website. How would you define a demon? What is a demon? On alienresistance.org, you also talk of fallen angels. What are fallen angels? How would you define a fallen angel? How are fallen angels different from demons, or are they the same thing? So I think that's a series of three questions that actually can be answered together. The first thing says you talk about demons on your website. Um, actually, I go out of my way in what's this all about on alienresistance.org to say that, no, they are not demons. So that's sort of a misnomer, but I know the, the word demon gets attributed to my website and work all the time. But it's not because of what I said. I actually state in writing, they, referring to these abductor-type things, are not demons. But her follow-up questions actually require that I define that. Um, the first question is, what is a demon? We were talking earlier about the Genesis 6 paradigm of fallen angels mating with human women on Earth and creating a hybrid race of Nephilim. What I believe a demon is, and I encourage you out there to Google the phrase origin of demons, and you can read a lot of the backup theology for this yourself, is that after the flood, this hybrid race was largely or perhaps 100% wiped out. There are external texts of the Bible, very specifically the book of Enoch, that talk about the spirits from those entities. They were half human, half angel. They really didn't have anywhere to go, but that God purposely allowed their spirits to roam the earth, to oppress, attack mankind, and to test people, and that type of thing. So the simple answer to, I do not think a demon, the word demon, is interchangeable with fallen angel, even though in popular church culture that is the popular misnomer that rules. Uh, by definition, and again, look it up yourself, Google the phrase origin of demons. A demon is more than likely a disembodied spirit of the Nephilim from Genesis 6. You might loosely say that what we're calling demons today are the ghosts of the Nephilim because they're spirits that have not been put to rest. They've not met a positive or negative end. They are still roaming the earth to some extent. So it also says you talk of fallen angels. What are fallen angels? How would you define a fallen angel? Very simply, um, an angel, by definition, is uh, an entity created by God, I'm pretty sure, before humans came into existence. And they have supernatural abilities such as being able to appear and disappear at will. Um, they can uh, be involved in people's dreams. They can induce vision or states of visions. That happens all the time in the Old Testament, especially. A lot of the encounters that we see as uh, visions where great things happen, such as Ezekiel's wheel, by the way, um, or Jacob's ladder, angels are involved there, um, bringing about, you might say, the visionary state for humans. I'm not sure how they do it, only that that's the way it's stated biblically, that these angels 
can induce parallel states or take humans into other realms that are not this Earth, space-time, 3D continuum. And answering the question of fallen angels is these are the ones who have, you know, just Sunday School 101, chosen to not follow God. And Six describes what started this whole thing is they were lusting after human women. They left their natural estate and then they found themselves in bodies on Earth commingling with them. So uh, how to define a fallen angel is simply by their behavior, is what I would say, is that if it's obvious that what they're doing is not in line with what God's will is, or at least what God's Word says, in fact, the New Testament tells us that um, the purpose of angels for the New Testament is they are ministering spirits sent to help believers those who are called to salvation. So good angels, their job description in the Bible actually is ministering to those of us on earth who are at least called to salvation. Whether we're there or not yet, <laughs> like if you're not a Christian but you know you've had some good angel experiences, I would actually say that that experience should urge you to seek God because the Bible says angels are sent to the heirs of salvation. Fallen angels are probably doing the exact opposite. They're taking people, uh, whether they're called to salvation or not, and they are not ministering to them. They are perhaps performing sexual acts. They are perhaps inducing trance states and giving them a very different vision than taking them away from the Word of God. But the question that uh, finishes here is, how are fallen angels different from demons, or are they the same thing? No, I don't think so. Um, even though church theology and misnomers actually says that if you use the word fallen angels or you use the word demons, most people think that they are disembodied. Quite simply, angels have extremely powerful bodies. They can become material anytime they want to. They can appear as human and perhaps shapeshift and appear as other things. And But basically, demons are disembodied spirits. They cannot materialize in a 3D flesh and blood way. At least there's no biblical example of it happening. Demons are actually looking to inhabit or, quote, uh, enter or possess humans through their spirit. And uh, a large part of that thinking is because they are disembodied spirits. Demons once had bodies, and they have a taste. They have appetites for food, sex, blood, things like that. It's where I think a lot of the times when someone is actually entertaining demonic activity or possessed, as people say, they're carrying out that demon's hunger to have those things back that they don't have. But no, I'll be very clear, I do not think fallen angels and demons are the same thing. Fallen angels are very powerful entities who are just doing things God doesn't want them to do and have probably been cast from his presence. Demons are disembodied spirits. There is a difference, even if they do fall under the same hierarchy of just in general doing bad things. I'm going to scroll up. Tamara from Florida <laughs> repeats something similar. I know your position about aliens really being demons. No, that's not my position. Tamara and others, my position is not that aliens are really demons. But I do think a lot of fallen angels are telling people they're aliens. So let's split the hair and get the semantic down. And I know your position and about abductions being engineered supernaturally and linked to demon possession. What she's asking is, what about all the anecdotal evidence of alleged eyewitnesses to actual bodies of aliens from the incident at Roswell, and there are others? 
are we to discount every single eyewitness and some very credible, upstanding citizens? Uh, do you hold it to be some sort of mass hypnosis, or is it possible demons have fleshly bodies? A lot to discuss, I know, but inquiring minds want to know. So uh, boiling that down is the question. Um, if what some people call aliens are really uh, not aliens, you know, what about all the anecdotal evidence of eyewitnesses to actual bodies? Um, there's probably a couple possible answers to that, and I'm not going to pretend for a minute that I have the answer. Um, since you asked about Roswell, I will say that the most popularly known um, thing having to do with alien bodies was by Glenn Dennis and what he allegedly wrote on uh, cocktail napkin for the nurse. Um, and you'll have to look this up yourself. A lot of people don't believe that they do believe that Glenn Dennis was a mortician and that the Army did call him, but they don't believe the story about the nurse. Um, there are other possibilities for bodies. I would encourage you to look at the site roswellufocrash.com to start with or to read Nick Redfern's book uh, called Body Snatchers or The Horrible Truth of the Roswell Incident, Body Snatchers in the Desert or something like that. Some people believe um, that the aliens or the, at least the bodies that were discovered at Roswell were um, Nick's view is POWs that had had all kinds of radiation, and um, they were basically used as test subjects for Nazis and for the, uh, for the Japanese, and that when the U.S. was trying high-altitude tests and moving vehicles higher and faster than we'd ever done before, well, they didn't put Chuck Yeager in there or their top astronauts or their top pilots. They put victims in there. It could be children with... Uh, on my site, Roswell UFO Crash, I suggest progeria because one of the symptoms of progeria has to do with swollen, bald heads and big eyes and kids who don't live past the age of 12 or 14. That's at least one possible answer. I'm definitely not going to say that it is my final answer. And um, the question someone asked earlier, are these fetuses being grown somehow, either just removed from people? That's another uh, possible answer is that Aside from human experimentation, there could be uh, bodies in these ships, and if they're crashing, that were just grown somehow. They, what I mean is that it doesn't, aliens is not the only possible explanation, but I don't pretend to have the final answer either. Um, before we go to a quick break here in about four minutes, I'll continue with Hilly from St. Louis. Um, what is the point in fallen angels convincing the world that ETs are really life forms from another planet? If you study the abductee literature, you will see that most people who have uh, documented quotes of what aliens are telling them is that quite often their message is spiritual. It's not scientific in the way that you might expect aliens traveling 90 billion light years across the planet. They, they haven't come to tell us about science. They haven't come to tell us how to travel, for that matter. Most often, uh, the messages are, at one way or another, you could loosely define as spiritual in nature. And what happens is that when you examine them as, as a body, you'll find that most of what is said theologically or spiritually is actually in the 180 degrees opposition to biblical theology. Many aliens say that they are our creators, not God. They say that um, we're here to show you a new way or help you achieve the divinity that's already within you. That's 
very common messages in the abductive folklore, or folklore is the wrong word, but in the actual evidence of what people have quoted aliens have told them. So answering the question, what's the point in fallen angels convincing the world that ETs are really life forms from another planet? I think that the ultimate purpose of stories like that is to draw people away from God, per se, or at least belief in a biblical God. The creation account of how humans were created by God, that's very different uh, from what aliens say. They often say they were our creators, and they ultimately say that they are our salvation as well. Follow us, believe in us, join this galactic brotherhood, and evolve into a new age of humanity. It has a lot to do with an end-time scenario that uh, produces actually uh, a one-world government to follow an antichrist. So, I'm again, I'm here at this crossroads of not saying for sure whether or not aliens can and do exist, just that there's a lot of activity that is, I don't believe really is aliens, that is uh, pretending to be aliens, and they're drawing people farther and farther away from belief in a biblical God or salvation in Jesus Christ. That would be the point in fallen angels convincing the world. And that may or may not be exactly what's going on, but I think it's pretty close in a lot of cases, actually. I am. And before I go to the break, do you have any... Oh, yes self-promotion plug here. Thanks, Hilly. Do you have a DVD I could watch to help me better understand the biblical perspective on aliens and UFOs and help me learn more about aliens and UFOs in general? UFOs101.com. It's a, now a five-lecture DVD. But you can go ahead and look at that. It's available on a name-your-own-price basis as well. Just go to UFOs101.com. It has my UFOs101 lecture as well as a few others uh, by other speakers that have been here in Roswell. We'll come back with a question uh, about 2012. Sent to me from Tony in Florida. We're down at the bottom of the hour. We've got one more little song by classical guitarist Susan Grisanti. And that will take us into the break for this half hour. Come back for more in about five minutes. Do you want help? And can God help? Or can the church help in some way? that they are more inclined to refer you to a psychiatrist than they are to refer you to Jesus or to the Bible for your help. And that is the very reason, because most experiencers or people that believe in UFOs to any degree really get um, the left foot of fellowship from churches. They get cast out, and I think that's why a lot of them wind up in UFO cults, like the Raelian religion or the Heaven Gates phenomena. I wish to God that a lot more churches would be open to to learning of this information, and rather than saying, get out of my office, go see a psychiatrist, which leads people to join a UFO cult, I wish they would say, well, yes, there is something in the Bible that may be helpful to you, and begin to teach the Genesis 6 uh, theology as the Bible teaches it, not as church has commonly taught it. For 1,500 years, the Catholic Church started saying, no, no, that wasn't really angels. That was the sons of Seth, who weren't supposed to intermingle um, with the other bloodline, the sons of Cain, and all that stuff. That's crap. That is not the view. But as far as strategies for reaching churches, the best I've been able to do so far is a website that puts out biblical information uh, that gets between 500 and 1,000 hits a day still. It's been going for about eight years strong now. And the conferences, if um, and equipping people one person at a time. If you're interested in this topic, we do have some biblical answers or at least some biblical discussion. We don't have the whole thing down right, 
but I would uh, encourage you to equip people one at a time. The Ancient of Days, .net, DVDs do our best job to assemble speakers to talk about this from a theological perspective. We are out of time with uh, live from Roswell. Thanks for joining me again. And this show is archived, as well as many others, with people who aren't so theologically inclined as I. If this bugged you, but I really want to say thanks for hanging with me this long. Next week, I'm less sure about what's going on. I got a thing. We may do a rerun. We may do a guest host. But um, two weeks from now, we'll be back with Rob Simone, author of UFOs in the Headlines, Real Reporting on a Real Phenomena. And in a couple more weeks, local researchers Dennis Balthaser and Don Burleson. God bless you folks, and thanks for listening to Live from Roswell tonight on the Paranormal Radio Network. Take us out, Joe.